Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor as we reflect on the Leeds defeat and look ahead to another massive test at the weekend as Bristol City take on West Brom. Uh, Gregor, beginning with Leeds then, you know, 1-0 on the score sheet, it's a, a narrow defeat, but by all accounts, Bristol City certainly were not the best team, were they? Yeah, a little bit disappointing because the game was built up and it was one of those sort of chances that Bristol City have got to to really put a statement out and, and really position themselves nicely in the championship. And they've had a few opportunities like this. And that's probably the next stage of the evolution they've got to do to maybe get that big win, either at home or away, against one of the top sides. They'll get another chance coming up mm-hmm. against West Brom. But yeah, at Leeds, there was that opportunity to, to do something. Leeds weren't in the best form. I think they'd only won two of their last 11 league games. Bristol City, six wins in the last eight. So I, I kind of hope they might do something. Um, and the game didn't really play out differently to what I expected because Bristol City were fairly dominated, and we'll come on to this. Mm. But, yeah, they, they just didn't really turn up, especially the first 15, 20 minutes where I, I did write about this in the match report. Storm Dennis blew in, but also Storm Bielsa as Leeds United were just a whirlwind of intense football, as they always are. Well, that's the way they play, isn't it? They always have more possession and the stats don't lie. They had 69%, uh, 20 shots to Bristol City's three. Bristol City with just one shot on target. We thought maybe before the game they'd either have to play counter-attacking football or make the most of their set pieces. Um, They only had... Zero corners. <laughs> so, Zero corner, yeah. yeah. Difficult to score a header from a corner if you don't <laughs> yeah. have a corner. Yeah. Uh, what What was the problem there? Was it Was it just that Leeds were too good? Was it the tactics? What do you think was missing? Bit of both. I don't think Bristol City passed the ball well enough. I don't think, and I think Lee Johnson alluded to this after the game, he, he said that a couple of the players hid, which is, is quite strong words, but I think I know what he means. And I, I probably, Which ones? Probably do agree with him. I, I don't think that they were good enough with the ball at their feet from defence. The oh. likes of Ashley Williams and Nathan Baker, when the ball came to them... They, they were just, just hoofing it? Yeah, they were just hoofing it away. And it just meant that Bristol City could never sustain any pressure, could build from the back, could build any attacks, turn the game around. Instead, it was wave after wave of Leeds United attacks. Um, I have to say as well, Bristol City look, looked a little disjointed at times in defence. There were some some big old um, spaces to exploit, especially down Bristol City's left between Jada Silva and Nathan Baker. Certainly, I, I think, well, that's where the, the goal came from, really, with Luke Ayling raiding down there and, and, and getting crosses in. And there was a little, well, it was about 15, 20 minutes spell where it was just cross after cross from Leeds, shot after shot in the box. Bristol City was so deep with their defending. I hate to see teams doing that, especially early on, because it just signifies that it's going to be one-way traffic, really. So, yeah, they didn't pass the ball well enough out of defence. And I was a little surprised that Benkovic didn't play because yeah, in the week, Lee Johnston said he's the closest closest that Bristol City are going to get to another Adam Webster. But why is on the bench then against Leeds? I can only think that it's the, rotations can yeah, the it's the proximity of games and also a bit of man management mm-hmm. that is a bit harsh to have dropped Nathan Baker, who, let's be honest, has been fantastic mm-hmm. in recent games. So I can, I can understand why he's, he's gone with this. 
I think in the longer run we might see Benkovic more involved because he can keep the ball a bit better. His passing was superb. Against Derby County, I think mm. we mentioned this, 97% okay. pass accuracy. Only wasted one pass the entire game. Yet um, against, just to highlight this, against Leeds United, Andy Vyman, again, we're gonna, there's more to talk about him, but he made two passes the entire, That's in his 30, half an hour spell. I've got to say, with um, Vyman, sometimes he just doesn't seem to get involved in the game. And he works incredibly hard and he's running around, he's chasing down balls, but sometimes would his energy be better spent trying to get in better positions to receive the ball to have more of an impact? Fantastic off the ball. I sometimes think he's got to do better on the ball in terms of retaining possession too often. And if you think about the goal, which was the goal when Jack Hunt crossed it deep and Fam scored that diving uh, header. Yes. Was that was QPR, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And if you think about that goal, that actually comes from Vyman losing the ball um, on the counter-attack. Why are you complaining? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Although, I'm not sure. Yeah. He, he just does that too often. And yeah, as I say, against Leeds, only two passes completed, a 50% pass rate. I think he only had four passes, yeah. And there was a stat going around about how Luke Ayling had more touches in the box than, than I think it was Andy Vyman, Famari Jeju and Narky Wells combined. So that goes to show the dominance that Leeds United had on the day. But, yeah, I mean, I've just been saying to you, but with Leeds United, it's no disgrace to lose 1-0 there. No, They're no, a good no. side. They are a really good side, but it's also indicative of where Bristol City are, isn't yeah. it? Because... Yeah, they could have gone level with Leeds, they could have made a real statement, they could have been in the race for automatic promotion, but as it is, you now feel the game at Ashton Gate on Saturdays is really vital to get at least a point from. It's crucial, and yeah, just before we come on to that, on Leeds United, I was saying before that I was looking back at their stats from game to game, and they dominate and have more shots and have more territory than pretty much any team in the Championship. That's that's the way they play. I don't know if you saw the Brentford game in midweek, but um, Thomas Frank was speaking afterwards that no team squeezes you as much as Leeds United. They're so ener- energetic, so powerful, so athletic, and the likes of Calvin Phillips, Klitsch and Hernandez. They're such you, good players. Yeah, you just can't you can't Calvin live Phillips with them. Phillips is Premier League quality, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I, I think he'll, he'll go to the Premier League one way or another in the summer. I think there's clubs looking at him for sure. And Leeds did this, don't forget, to Arsenal at the Emirates. They had more shots than Arsenal. They had more possession than Arsenal. So if they can do it away at a very strong Arsenal side, then they can certainly do it against the likes of Bristol City, I'm afraid. So, Yeah, let's hear from uh, Lee Johnson what he thought after the Leeds game. I thought Leeds were the better side um, throughout the game. I thought... In the first 15, 20 minutes, we didn't accept that we needed to do certain things and have a certain amount of bravery to go and influence the game. And that was a bit that really disappointed me. Um, I think we got done too many one-twos down the sides. I don't think, I think a couple hid, to be honest, in terms of in-possession. And you could see a couple on the pitch probably shouldn't have been there due to uh, like the bugs and the illnesses that we'd had in the camp over the last couple of days. So um, at half-time I wasn't best pleased and uh, that's not discrediting Leeds because I thought they were very good but, but my side um, didn't play like a, a Bristol City side that I want them to play. So at half-time, it was quite a strong message, really, um, to actually to have some, well, I won't use the exact phrase, but some guts and, uh, and actually get on the ball and try and play as we know we can. And I thought we did that, to be honest, in the second half. 
like for most part of the second half. We actually made a game of it. It's an unbelievably bad decision from the referee. The penalty. It's 100% a penalty. Aliens uh, handball. I think whenever all the press and the fans and everybody watches that, uh, you'll see that. Um, again, I'm not discrediting Leeds because I thought they were very, very good, but that is an action in the game that could potentially swing the momentum. Uh, and the referee has to get that right in a game as big as this one. Um, not just the referee, but his, his assistant, his fourth official, that's looking right down the barrel, um, exactly as we are. So again, when you see it on video, it, it's, it's ridiculous how it's not done. There's Lee Johnson speaking after the Leeds defeat at the weekend. Just a word as well, Gregor, about Elland Road. Isn't that atmosphere absolutely intimidating? And wouldn't it be great to replicate that sort of atmosphere at Ashton Gate? Because it gives you one up already. It is. And what Lee Johnson was obviously saying there about the penalty shout, I, I, I know what he means. If, if Bristol City could have got that, and it really does look like a, a penalty, the Luke Ayling yeah. volleyball shot in, in the penalty area, disgraceful decision. It, yeah, that is... only thing I would say about that is it's very very similar to the Ashley Williams one in midweek in, against Derby County yeah, so sort of, yeah exactly mm. swings and roundabouts but is that an argument to say there should be VAR in the championship I, I, personally I don't know if I'd want VAR applied in the championship how it is in the Premier League I think there's a lot of ironing out to do but you know the championship the prize money at stake is so huge to go up should they be looking at VAR yeah I, th- I think uh, they should be, but I think maybe just in the playoffs. I think I find it crazy that they're not going to use it in the playoffs or even the playoff finals. So. Well, they're at Wembley, so they can. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's easy there. enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really interesting. I don't know if you saw there was some tweets or reports about how Championship clubs have to pay half the VAR costs if they play against the Premier League side no way. away from home at a Premier League ground in the FA Cup, where VAR is being used. So Championship clubs don't get the benefit of it in the league. Um, possibly in the FA Cup if they're away from home, but they have, have to pay the other costs around, wow. around £10,000 per game right, oh, if wow. anyone's interested. But, um, That's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, just a little side note, what are your thoughts on, on VAR? You know, if, do you want it in the Championship? I, I am actually in favour of VAR. I don't think it's been implemented right. I mean... The one that got me the other day in the Chelsea-Manchester United game was the Harry Maguire kick-out, which was ruled like not a red card, but then we saw a similar one earlier in the season with Sun, where he did exactly the same. In fact, I'd say worse. Sorry, not as worse. Um, yeah, to, I to the Chelsea defender, um, Rudiger. So, yeah, it's just... I mean, that comes down to the refereeing because it's inconsistency. So, yeah. yeah, I think VAR is being overused. I think I, I don't think they should check every goal. I'm not so sure about that. I think they should just be looking for clear <laughs> and obvious... Clear and obvious errors. And if it takes more than 20 seconds, like more than maybe two or three viewings, it's not a clear and obvious error, is it? Because mm. you've got to re-examine it. So they should only be using it for, um, yeah, clear offsides, clear um, miss... What's the word? Mistaken identity mm-hmm. on red cards and things like that. Clearly, when, when the ball has gone over the line, these kind of things, and, and not much else. And they're just overusing it. So, yeah. Yeah. And the offside, well, that's a whole other debate looking at the offsides. Uh, so, West Brom at the weekend, just before we come on to that, uh, Andreas Feynman partnered Monarchy Wells at Leeds, but that's not really a fair game to assess their partnership, is it? 
No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Narky Wells had so little service at, at the weekend at Elland Road, and the only thing was he had that really great chance in the second half. And I just thought when he went through, I thought, "Hello, this this would be such a story if he scores the equalising goal yeah. against the runner play, new man coming in, one chance, one goal, and unfortunately, yeah, he hits the side netting, and 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 that, I think that was his only shot because they got there's three shots. Yeah, one on target. Yeah, was, that, was there? A yeah, it was one, it was one on target. The one on target. It was Patterson's header in the box in the first half, and the other third shot was a Marcus Henriksen one from some 30 yards out, which was hugely <laughs> ambitious. So, yeah, that goes again to show how much they were dominated, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this weekend against West Brom, then there's been a bug. Is it a sickness bug in the camp? Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one, this, as revealed by Lee Johnson before the game. Uh, Famari Jeju wasn't well enough to start the game but he was well enough to be on the bench and play the final half an hour so not, not a serious thing no it's annoying sort of lays you up for a bit yeah I, I was told that the main problem with him is that he hadn't been sleeping properly um, they all wear sleeping monitors ah right oh, I'm pretty sure they do mm. um, because or maybe they don't wear sleeping monitors but I remember speaking to someone who said players nowadays in, in many clubs are monitored for everything so whether it's their sleep or what they're eating you know it's all logged now so most clubs I don't want to say for certain but their sleep is probably logged by Bristol City yeah I I can fully believe that and I think that yeah that would be the case and they do they do monitor everything sleep I think is a big thing in terms of yeah if you're not sleeping correctly then then you're tired (laughs) as you might well know Michelle then maybe you don't make the right decisions at the time on the pitch yeah Um, yeah so Saying saying that Dan Bentley has a baby the same age as Zach and he's Ah, playing brilliantly (laughs) yeah he has been he has been very good yeah just just on Deju, I mean, I actually saw him coming off the bus when the bus arrived, did and he didn't—he didn't look sick at all. He was very smiley as he always is. Okay. He was happy. He was waving to the fans. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not too sure if that's maybe been slightly overplayed a little bit. Although Andy Vyman, as Lee Johnson revealed, did come off the gate, um, the pitch after half an hour, and I thought it, it was from a, an impact injury, but apparently it was with him running to the loose to be sick that's after disgusting. the game. So uh, let's um, let's. <laughs> Yeah, let's get an update actually from Lee Johnson on that and the state of play at Ashton Gate and after that we'll hear from Marcus Henriksen this was the presser on Wednesday afternoon at Ashton Gate How's the squad looking at the moment? The, the bugs that were there um, at the weekend how's Adam, Fam and Andy doing a little better? Um, not great if I'm honest uh, we have had a few yesterday we only trained with 12 um, so there was a there was a few sort of what do I say additions if you like to our list um, however I do expect that to quickly turn and, and hopefully we'll be training with a nigh on fully fit um, 20 come Friday so the main the main player in question probably is Corey Smith like as we speak over the next few hours the specialist will decide whether to drain the fluid on his knee or, or whether to, to leave him. If they leave him, there's a chance he might be fit for Saturday. If they decide to drain the knee, then he's ruled out completely from Saturday and obviously Tuesday becomes a possibility for Corey. So Andy hasn't has, has had a relapse and been really struggling. Um, the fam looked better today, but he again had been off for a couple of days. So uh, Nagy's been back training, um, so 
Yeah, there was Benkovic uh, back training as well, and he, and he looks okay. Um, so West Brom coming at the weekend. Uh, what do you make of the challenge of the Baggies at the moment? Do you expect a similar game maybe to the, the game at the Hawthorns? Yeah, I think it was a it was a good game. It was a tough game. Um, I think that they exposed our weaknesses on the day, obviously, in that spell that they had. And then, to be fair, I thought we came right back into it and made the, the changes at half-time. And we was a bit unlucky not to not to level and not to get the equaliser and the timing. I think they had two offside goals, if I'm right, on, on the day. Um, but they, they are. that's not taken away from our strongest side they were and are. And obviously, a top-of-the-league side... Um, coming to Ashton Gate, I think, is where we're probably at our best in terms of fan base and and everybody else because effectively we'll be the underdog. And um, we know that we've got to do more with our identity against the top sides and, and believe that we can, put, we can show what we're about uh, against those top sides. And, and we're still fighting for, and, and scrapping for every point. And, and even though we were poor... On Saturday, by our own standards, we effectively still had three very good chances um, to go and equalise. Hi, Marcus. How have you found it at Bristol City so far? So far, really good. Uh, I mean, the city is very beautiful, uh, very nice, um, and the football club is a very familiar football club that takes care of everyone, and that's something I, I really like. Um, plus, Beautiful stadium, nice crowd. Um, so so far, everything has been very good. I was going to say, have you had a chance to look at the city at all? Have you? Have you already been to Bristol a few times? Yeah, I've already been uh, been walking in the city. Uh, it has a lot of nice coffee places, restaurants. Um, yeah, it has everything you are you want and are looking for. Um, so yeah, it's a nice city. And you joined the club quite late in the transfer window, the last day, I think, you even. Um, did you know you were going to come here and, and what made you choose Bristol City? You know how it is in the, in, with the transfer windows, it goes quick. Um, I heard a little bit earlier in January, a little bit of the interest. Um, but when it first happened, it was it was quite late. I got a call from, uh, from the manager as well. Um, and the way he talked with the ambition uh, and with the... With the fire, I almost felt like he had fire in his eyes. He really believed in this team. He believed, he said it was a great squad, great bunch of lads, um, great team in and around the club. Um, and that, that really f- made me feel like this is something I really want to be be part of. Plus, I always know, knew about Bristol City as, as one of the clubs that has been very close to the playoff uh, the last couple of years. But at the end, they have lost it a little bit. Uh, but, but I knew it was a big club. Um, so I was really looking forward to this challenge when I heard about it. Did you know anyone at the club before you joined it? Not, not like personally, no. Um, I knew because I've played against the players a, a lot of the time, a lot of times, uh, but I didn't know anyone personally, no. How have the last six months been for you? Because obviously you haven't been playing at Hull so much. I think you were back in Rosenborg. Um, how have you found those six months? I mean, has it been frustrating for you, or how do you see it? I mean, <laughs> it's been very frustrating. Um, and another word I would like to use is unfair. Um, Everybody that knows me as a person uh, knows I'm very professional. I don't complain about anything. I do my work. Uh, and the way this situation has been handled is really bad uh, for both parties. Uh, um 
So it's been tough, but I've been training very hard. Uh, luckily, um, I was still allowed to be on the national team playing yeah, five, six games there, uh, even though I didn't play in Hull. Um, that helped me a lot with my, with my fitness and also what I was training for because then I had a purpose for what I did because I knew already before the season started that I was not going to play for Hull um, when the window was shut. Um, so then it was preparing myself for the next step um, and I was very glad and, and, and lucky when, when this opportunity came. Uh, do you consider your time as at Hull completely finished now or do you maybe have some unfinished business? I think you're out of contract. Com completely finished. Yeah, so yeah, that's all done and dusted. Have you thought about your future at all in, in terms? <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, it, it's difficult to say. I mean, I had I had a couple of offers, uh, but I didn't feel like this was right for me. Um, when Bristol City came, I, I really felt this is something for me. Um, and now I'm here. It's it's in the beginning, it's only on loan, but but as a footballer, I can't think about what will happen after the summer, after did. I, I just have to focus. On every day, doing my best in training, doing the best in games, and then we will see. Hopefully, uh, I really enjoy it here so far, uh, and hopefully, the club uh, and the supporters and everyone will be happy with me as well. And then we then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I wonder if it was part of the pitch when when, they, when Lee Johnson spoke to you and said, "We'll see what happens now," and who knows what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, of, of course, we have we have talked a little bit about everything, but but you know, it's I can't say everything either but, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just living in the moment uh, doing whatever I can to, to perform and what have you made of Lee Johnson so far on the coaching pitch and, and all round really he, he's a manager who, who, who lives for football uh, you can already see that I mean I think he I think he thinks about football 24-7 um, and um, he's in my point of view I think he's very tactical um, I've had a lot of managers uh, in my years and, and he's probably one of the most tactical managers um, so I really enjoy working with him uh, and I really hope um, that he can make me a better footballer so that's where we're at um, at the moment then, Gregor. So looking ahead to this West Brom game, it really does feel... I know West Brom top of the championship and I do feel that they are beatable because they went a few games of having a really bad run. You know, from Christmas through January, it looked like they were suddenly beatable or certainly people were taking... Well, teams were taking points off them. But now going to this one, would you rather it was away? No, no, just because having seen Bristol City play the last two times at the Hawthorns, both those games, I never really felt that Bristol City had a real chance of getting anything. Um, certainly the way they started the game against the Baggies, they were just so complacent with their passing. Um, they really did give some easy chances away. This was the one this season. Casey Palmer played in that one, ended up losing possession on the end. Um, on the edge of his own box, so that wasn't a great start. There were other errors, I remember. And, yeah, certainly the year before, they got ripped apart by Harvey Barnes. So, no, quite happy to play them at Ashton Gate. And let's not forget, it was, it was just 19 minutes but, um, back in April that it took for Bristol City to score three goals, a whirlwind three goals. I think Jack Hunt got one, didn't he? Uh, Josh Brownhill swept in the first. I forget offhand who, who got the second goal, maybe Jeju. Um and yeah, so I think we're going to need something like that. We need Bristol City to put in a big performance because I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit worried about the fixtures coming up and looking at who they've got, the likes of Fulham coming, 
um, away at Huddersfield after West Brom. I don't think that's going to be an easy game. Huddersfield are, are starting to show a little bit of form. Um, and, yeah, certainly on their own patch aren't going to be... I mean, Millwall and Gary Rowett after that, they're revived, aren't they? Exactly, you know? so exactly. It's, so... it's tricky. It's not... It's got a forest coming up as well in the next uh, next few weeks. Actually, my first game back for Sky is the one against Sheffield Wednesday. So that'll be interesting. Looking forward to that. All of them. All of them are difficult, aren't they? They are. But looking at West Brom's recent results... They lost to Cardiff just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, at the Cardiff City Stadium. You know, with all due respect to Cardiff, you wouldn't have thought that, would you? No, and... And it was Lee Tomlin. Yeah, absolutely. The old Bristol City uh, um, attacking midfield. He's he's having a good season, to be fair to Tomlin. Yes. Yeah, and just looking at their fixtures over... December, they had that bad run that you said where they just had one win away to Birmingham, which actually doesn't look too bad at all because the run that Birmingham are on themselves. But they had draws at Wigan, they drew at home to Brentford, they drew away to Barnsley, they lost at home to Middlesbrough, and they had a draw against Leeds. So that just goes to show that any club in this league is going to have a little bad spell. Um, they, They then beat Charlton away. Uh, in the cup, but then they drew with Charlton away in the league before losing at home to Stoke. So yeah, that was a spell of sort of seven, eight games where they only won one or two games. They've turned that around because they've had three wins on the spin before they drew two all against Forest. And that's not a bad result against Forest. No, 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 no. They're in the hunt for for you know playoff or potentially automatic. But I look at the table and Bristol City just outside the playoffs, only on goal difference now. But, you know, anyone down really to Swansea, you feel, has still got a shout down to 11th of making the playoffs. They they do. I I don't think Swansea will. But I, I do, you know, Cardiff on a bit of a charge. Yeah. And I do think Preston have got a chance. You know, they've they've just been there all season, haven't they? Although they lost to Millwall at the weekend. Yeah. I, I'm not too sure that anyone has got the consistency to overhaul the top six at the moment. I, including Preston. I, Apart from, well, I'm going to include Preston as they sit in there. Apart from maybe Bristol City, in terms of if they can pull out a big win from somewhere. And I do think they're going to have to pull off either a win at Millwall. Or Saturday? Yeah, this Saturday against West Brom. Or um, maybe get something from the game away at Huddersfield. They are capable of it. Um, I mean, that away record is still very, very good. It's just it's just staggering, this this race, though, because Fulham lost 3-0 to Barnsley at the weekend. Barnsley, bottom of the championship. Incredible, isn't it? Corley Woodrow doing the damage, wasn't Corley, he? Yeah, Corley Woodrow, who, who couldn't really make it stick at Ashton Gate, could he? Um, speaking of Bristol City, I want to ask you about a player that... Uh, the, Bristol Live website's done a, a piece on this week and I was wondering how he's been getting on. That is Callum O'Dowder. You know, this time last year, linked with Leeds, went there at the weekend, was only a sub, came on, got booked. You know, what what is going on? You know, he signed a new contract in September. Um, Nicholas Eliasson really has taken his place in the team. What's happening? little bit disappointed, really, with Calmo Dowd. I did think that he would blossom this season. I thought he'd become a first-team regular. I thought we'd see a few more goals and assists, and that hasn't happened. He hasn't been able to, obviously, play his way into the team. I think it's as you say. I think the, the thing is, there's competition for places, and Nicholas Eliasson has been undroppable in yeah. the main, although his own form has dropped a little bit yeah. uh, um, of recent weeks. There's a few fans have 
said to me, is it because he's likely to be leaving in the I summer? Yeah, I was going to say, how strong are those links? Yeah, because our understanding, well, he's got one year left on his contract in the summer. There's Premier League teams and teams from further afield interested in him. Lazio and Rangers credited with interest. In fact, I think his agent even spoke to the Daily Record and said, that we'll see basically what happens in the summer. Our understanding is that he won't sign a new long-term deal, unfortunately, at Bristol City, which does... Johnson. Which does, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, obviously, you have to take into into factor that into account that he didn't start the season in the team, but he's in the team, but he's forced his way in through his performances, which is what you want to see. And but yeah. some players were asking to see him. Uh, sorry, not some players. Some fans were asking to see more of him. Yeah, yeah, and I think we have seen that consistency. Let's not forget, he still leads the league with Pereira of coming this weekend for, for assists in the league, and yeah. he's got some good goals as well. That that winner against Barnsley recently, so he has really blossomed this year. Whereas Odalda has maybe regressed and maybe hasn't played as much. I just think on Odalda, I've seen a few little glimpses of him recently showing some of his best form. And he's, he's, he's made a bit of an impact coming off the bench recently. Do you think Johnson's going to have a selection headache soon then? Yeah, possibly. I I kind of I was discussing in our office. I thought Odalda might actually be the man to benefit from Brownhill leaving, and they might be able to play that more central role. Yeah, I think you say that. Yeah, that he's done for Ireland, and and there is a position up for grabs there. Although Henriksen has started to probably lay down the marker for that position. Although he's a little bit different in that, I can't see him getting or being as as many as energetic as okay. as Brownhill was and as Odalda can be, because that's the thing Odalda's got is he's non-stop. He's so energetic. Yeah. He can carry the ball through midfield, whereas Henriksen is more of a, a, a player who's going to pass the ball rather than dribble with it. Who, who is the sort of strongest team at the moment, would you say? It's a really difficult question. I'm not asking you to go through it 1-11, to 11, but just to pick out some key positions where the players are undroppable, where are the strongest positions? I think we've seen the game against Derby County that the front two has got to be Jeju and Narky Wells. So but, do you think it will be on Saturday? Yeah. he'll play two up front? That's the system he'll go for? Yeah, I do. I think he'll go for it. I think he'll play that same team, basically, that we saw against Derby and I think we'll see Benkovic back at the back because he can play the ball he's more composed on the ball he'll help set up attacks at, at Baker's expense or Williams I think probably well I'd probably say Baker but I do wonder actually if we might even start to see this um, the Callas and Benkovic partnership for the first time because Williams has been phenomenal for me. I think he's been a great pick-up on a free transfer. I do wonder if maybe he's played a lot this season and he could do with a little bit of rest himself. But that's um, the last thing he will want with yes. the Euros coming up. Yes, he this is true. He will be desperate to start those Euros. It's true. I think you'd have to take Lee Johnson's... Um, Assessment from what happens on the training pitch with it and, and what he's seeing there. I wouldn't be surprised if Callas is involved somehow. Maybe he's going to continue at right back like he did at the weekend, mm-hmm. taking Jack Hunt's spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think Wells and Deju have got those two front positions, which means you've got Vyman and hopefully soon a Fobe to replace them off the bench. Um, maybe Vyman even out wide if he wants a more hard working. Yeah, maybe I, I'd, I'd consider it depending on who. West Brom are going to play. It might be a, an idea to have Vyman tracking back and helping De Silva on his flank. Maybe maybe Callas and Eliasson on the other side. Well, what do you think of Callas right back, though? Is he as mobile and marauding as Jack Hunt is? Probably not, but he's a better defender. I think everybody would agree by that. And let's not forget that Callas has been involved in two promotion-winning sides at right back, hasn't he? Middlesbrough and Fulham played a lot of games at right back for both those teams. So yeah. we're not 
asking him to necessarily play, well, I suppose he is being asked to play out of position, but it's a position he's quite well familiar with and has played a lot of times there. So, yeah, I think he can do a job there. I do like the balance he brings to the side um, in terms of he gives you another aerial presence. He's another powerful player, another fast and athletic player. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues at right back, although Hunt could welcome back in because he offers you more going forward. But what about on the other side, Jada Silver or, or Tommy Rowe, you know? Definitely De Silva. De Silva has been, for me, probably the best player in the last five, six games. Where does that leave Tommy Rowe? Yeah, I'm not too sure we're going to see Rowe come back in at the moment. He's got this um, role at the moment where he comes off the bench for the last 10 minutes where he uses his experience and nous to to, make enough, to have an effect and, and see the game home, as it were. That's what happened against Derby, and I'm sure we'll continue to see that in the next few games. Mm, interesting, and uh, I said I wasn't going to do one to 11, but just quickly, uh, Smith and Henriksen, new midfielders? Yes, yeah, Smith, obviously he's got a little bit of a knock on his knee. If he's back fit, then yeah, I think Henriksen definitely... Um, he started to look the part against Leeds, I thought. Yeah. I thought he looked a little bit rusty against Derby, misplaced a few passes, only had a, a low pass completion rate. But, yeah, certainly against Leeds, he stood out with his energy, his tackling, he was up there for tackles and interceptions. So, yeah, maybe Nadge to come back in if Smith isn't fit, although Nadge was another one with who was on the sick bed at the weekend, and um, we'll see how he is. Uh, or Masengo if you want the energy or as I said earlier Odalda if you if you want something a little bit different OK we will see well two difficult games coming up uh, top of the championship West Brom on Saturday followed by an away trip to Yorkshire enjoy Gregor uh, to Huddersfield on Tuesday night so uh, let you take in those games and we will reconvene uh, next week for the next podcast thank you for listening Robins on the Wire